0: So that's that stress you out? You guys doing all right? <laughs> Man, oh, stressful stuff, right? We go through in life here. Uh, I tell you about the last season where I kind of wrote this message about a month ago or so is when I really kind of put most of this together. But over the last month, kind of been just adding things to it as we kick off this series. And right around the time I started the message, there was all kinds of crazy stuff going on. My daughter Bryn ended up uh, sick, and then two days later, of course, the brothers caught it, and so they were home sick. Then um, a good friend called me just with some bad news, you know those, those conversations, those phone calls you get to just kind of take the wind out of your sails a bit, and so that was a little bit hard. Then Kelly caught the kid's sickness, then our dishwasher broke, then Brynn uh, tripped, tripped and twisted her ankle and was on crutches for a while, then our dryer broke. It's a lot of fun to have no dishwasher or dryer, family of five. Uh, that was, I was calling appliance people, like, can you please fix both, like, right now. Um, migraines, I get migraines, and so I was having just, like, a lot of those in the last month, just... Um, sometimes related to stress, I think those things are, are just kind of kick up when that happens. And so for me, when I get migraines, it's like sensitivity to light, sensitivity to sound. I get really nauseous and I just look like good for nothing. Um, along with that, I was playing a few days later football with my kids and my nephews. And when I play any sport, I think I'm playing like professionally. And so we're in my, my brother-in-law's backyard, but I'm playing like I'm out in you know the stadium, MetLife Stadium. And so there was this one pass and I like dove for it. Only problem was there was a house in the way of my dive and so I smashed into the house and I literally got up and it was like one of those cartoons where you feel like you see stars and instant like things start swelling and I just felt absolutely horrible when you challenge a house to a duel you will lose I'll just throw that out there all right and so I had that going on Um, uh, my uncle was diagnosed with cancer and having to go through all kinds of treatment another childhood friend of mine has been going through cancer and uh, cancer treatment and had some seizures was rushed to the hospitals in the hospital several several days also, along with that, we've been pursuing some properties as a church, trying to figure out the next step. And so suddenly, I'm talking with lawyers and architects and bankers and designers, and I'm down at the town figuring out about septic systems and how many cars you could park on and how many acres and all this stuff going on. And in this last month, I have just felt the stress in my life. And so I really think God mostly wrote this. This message for me. Mostly had me talk about this so that I could find some encouragement. But I know that you can relate. I know there are things going on in your guys' lives too that you just get stressed over, and there are things that are really difficult. And you know, I think one of the things that's true in life is that stress feeds on uncertainty. Isn't that true? Stress feeds on uncertainty. When we're uncertain about things, when we don't have all the answers, when there's things that are unknown, that can lead to a ton of stress in our lives. And so there are many of you guys are working through some stuff today, right? Some of you guys, I love that we have middle schoolers and high schoolers in our church. And some of you guys in that stage of life right now, trying to figure out a little bit who you are, trying to figure out how you fit into it all, some of that uncertainty, trying to figure out school, trying to figure out grades and work and what you like to do and all that leads to some uncertainty and that can kind of be stressful. I remember being an eighth grader, man, and being stressed out eighth grader. I really do. I wouldn't have put it in those terms, but that really was true of me. I fast forward to like 10th, 11th grade, some relationship issues and some friendship things happening, some drama, man, that lets to some stress as a younger kid. And then there's some of you guys, man, you're trying to figure out what college, you're trying to figure out what major, you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay for college, some of you guys are trying to figure out job stuff, some of you guys are on the verge of like financial need, you know, like, all right, we're not quite there yet, but we will be soon. Or maybe you're like, no, I'm there, Doug. I'm in need right now. I have this stress. It's keeping me up at night because of where I am right now financially. Some of you guys are parents, and you're really concerned about your kids, man. Are we doing the right thing? Are we raising them well? Are we pointing them in the right direction? Some of you guys even, I got a call, or not a call, I got a message from my grandfather this week who was stressed about his grandsons, and are they on the right track? And so some of you are in that season of life. And so, man, if you didn't walk in stressed out, you feel it now, right, if I did my job, right? I got you, didn't I? But, but here we are all wrestling with these different uncertainties in our lives. And so, man, I think stress feeds on uncertainty. But I also think that unanswered questions about maybe what we've been through, maybe some of that is where some of our stress comes from, like some of the whys in life, like why did this happen? Why did I go through that? God, why did you even allow that in the first place? And so I think that we can struggle and wrestle through some of that as well. I also think some of us, maybe we're a little bit stressed out because we're we're kind of finding ourselves in harm's way in one way or another. Maybe there's some illness that we've been wrestling with and we're not sure how we're going to get past that. Maybe we've made a dumb decision and it's caused some consequences and we're trying to figure our, our, our way through all of that. Some of us, maybe, again, financially we're in a little bit of trouble and so some of that danger leads to some pretty serious stress. And so today, I want to just start to tackle this whole thing because here is what I know about myself is when I'm stressed, I believe some things that aren't true or at least I'm tempted to. I would guess you are too. When you're stressed, you're tempted to believe some things that aren't true. I'll give you some examples. One is I am blind and I'm never going to see clearly again. That's one of the things we think, right? I'm never going to figure this out. I've been blind to how this is supposed to go. I don't know how to make it better. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how, which, which way to go here. I just know I'm blind, and I can only imagine this is just it from now on for me. I don't know how I'm ever going to see clearly again. Another thing some of us believe is that we're a prisoner to our circumstances, that we're just completely enslaved and we're stuck, and there's no way forward. Another thing I think we can believe sometimes when we're stressed out is that the situation we're going through is going to tear us apart. It's almost like this situation's got some fangs on it, and it's coming after me, and man, this thing's going to rip me to shreds. Some of you guys might go as far as to feel like God isn't with you. He's just not with me in this season. If he was with me, either I wouldn't be going through this, or I wouldn't feel like I feel as I'm going through this. Another thing some of us think is, man this waiting, you know, waiting for things to get better, waiting for things to line up, waiting for answers to come, that waiting is going to kill me. Last thing I'll just bring up right now, some of us just feel like we're going to drown. And I remember as a kid being in the pool, do you ever remember that, that time you'd kind of like just have enough of your face out of the pool so that you can kind of just breathe, but like the water's like basically here, and then, you know, you're completely underwater besides that, and you, you, you kind of like, so your ears are under the water, and you can't, you know, you can't hear like you normally would, and you're hearing all the water, but there is just, you just barely have your mouth out enough to breathe, and some of us feel like that right now, like that's where I am in life. I feel like I'm just about to drown. I still got some breath in me, but man, I am so overwhelmed, and so what do we do with all these questions? What do we do with all of these areas of stress in our life? Today we're going to look at somebody that if anybody ever had a right to be stressed, it was this guy. Like, you know you have those people in your life who always act really stressed out, and you kind of want to just pull them aside and be like, your life is really not that bad. Relax, it's okay, you know. Dr. Pepper, just take it easy, you know. Like those people, well, this guy is not that guy. This guy had every right to be stressed out beyond what any of us have ever been, and yet he wasn't. Yet he wasn't. Yet there was something about him that we're going to learn from today. See, if you and I were hanging out with this guy, if we went over to the green turtle on 347 and sat down with him and had some lunch and just started to pick his brain and say, hey man, tell me your story. And he started to tell us his story. We'd be like, you should be a mess right now. Like, why are you not crying on the floor? Like, you have been through so much. How are you, with a smile on your face, with a peace in your heart, how are you possibly communicating to me all that you've been through. We're going to learn from that guy here today. This guy's name was Paul, and I'm not going to give you too much of his backstory because he's going to share his own story with you today. He's going to explain who he is and what's been going on in his life, and we're going to find, I hope and pray, a very practical thing to know what to do with our stress this week. See, what I want you to do this week is walk out of here not going, oh man, well, I guess that was an encouraging you know, scripture that we looked at today, and I hope I remember that. That's not what I hope you do. I hope you go, I know what to do with my stress. I know how to overcome the stress in my life. I know how to get through this and not feel like I'm going to die, be torn apart, or drown. And so that's what we're going to look at here and really jump into Paul's story. Now, the only thing I'll tell you about Paul was he was one guy. He encountered Jesus, which he'll share a little bit about that, and then he was another person, and God used him in incredible ways to really change the world. So let's jump into this. Acts 21 verse 27 says this, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him shouting, "Fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place." Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. Now here's the thing, guys. We can't just read this story and go, okay, that happened a long time ago. Wonderful, glad we talked about it. Let's move on. Let's become Paul for a minute, okay? Paul was in the temple, which was the religious gathering place of the day. So can you just imagine someone coming in today and grabbing you and just saying, yo, you know what? You believe in all this Jesus stuff? You're out. And and taking him out, they, they, they walked him out. Imagine feeling that fear come over you. Imagine being basically handled and removed imagine here in the gate slam behind you as if you're not welcome here anymore like that's what paul just went through i would think that this is a moment for him to stress right I know I would have stressed. I mean, I haven't been threatened too much physically in my life. Probably one of the the, the times in my life that I think were most stressful, uh, even on a physical level, was when Kelly and I first owned a house. We had an apartment in the basement, and we used to rent it to this one lady. And I always forget her name. It was like Mary or Sally or um, Lucifer, the Prince of Darkness. No, that was it. That was the one, yeah. And um, I know it sounds terrible for me to say that, but it was true. And we, like, loved this lady. We cared for her. We would, like give her food we would give her bibles we would invite her to church we, we like forgave like months of debt she owed us like rent she owed us like I mean everything we could possibly do was when we drive her to the grocery store we bring her back I'd say she didn't have a car I'd take her here I'd take her there just to try to help her and her family and she was just awful and this one night I'm at the I'm at youth group when I was a youth pastor and Kelly calls me and she goes Doug she Lucifer she's screaming at me through the floor like she lived in the basement she's screaming in a rage at me like threatening and screaming and yelling and I remember when she was just about to move out I actually went down into my basement there was a part of the basement that was ours and part that was hers and I was down there and I overheard her telling someone that when she moved out she was going to stuff a rag in the drains and turn the water on and flood the apartment now not only thankfully I heard that and stopped it but she stole that from home alone are you kidding me Right? You remember the wet bandits? Are you Right? What, what does she even think she's getting away with here? Like, I was trained my whole childhood for that moment, right? I was ready, okay? But I just remember being so, feeling so threatened because I didn't know what this lady was going to do. She's in my house. I didn't know who she had coming over. I didn't know what she was doing down there. I know she was screaming at my wife and threatening us and she wanted to destroy our home. But so, now let's multiply that by a billion and that's, that's Paul in this situation, Right? That's Paul being threatened here, being run out here. And look at the next several words. Just so we know what the crowd was up to, look what it says. While they were trying to kill him. This is not just some people who didn't like him. Not some salty friends out there. Like, these are people who hated him and wanted him dead think you might be a little stressed out if you were him. It goes on. It says, News reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So they've been beating Paul this whole time. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Then the commander ordered that Paul be taken to the barracks and says this, When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great... He had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we all have people in our lives that don't like us too much. Probably none of us have ever been through something like this, where a mob of people were screaming, get rid of him, get rid of her, right? And so here's what Paul does in this moment. You ready for this? What would you have done? Just question there. What would you have done? How stressed out would you have been? I can only imagine. You know what Paul does? Paul says, hey, um, I'd like to address the crowd. You hear know, that crowd, that's screaming that I should be killed? I would like to talk with them. Well, what's Paul going to say? He's going to lay into them. He's going to let them have it. No, you know what? Paul tells his story. Paul tells what God's done in his life. Paul's trying to win over the very crowd who's trying to kill him. How is he not stressed out? Why can't we dial in to that type of peace in the midst of our stress? Maybe we can And so I don't know if any of you guys like Christopher Nolan movies. He's this great director, producer, uh, Prestige, Inception, Dark Knight, um, Dunkirk, a lot of these movies. And often what he does in his movies is he starts at the end... And then he jumps back to the beginning and shows you a different portion. And that's what we're going to do here today. We just saw sort of Paul here on trial and and talking, but he's about to jump back in time and tell us a little bit of his story, and then we'll jump back to current time again. Okay, And so here's what we're going to see here. Paul basically gets up in front of the crowd and says, Guys, Just want to let you know, I was born a Jew. I persecuted Christians. My job was to chase Christians down and imprison them and/or put them to death and approve of them being put to death. But one day Jesus appeared to me, and when he appeared to me, everything changed. Everything changed. And, And Paul, some of you guys know the story, was actually, when he encountered Jesus, was struck with blindness in that encounter. I'm glad I didn't have that conversion moment myself, right? But Paul's struck with blindness. And I just want you to think about that for a second. We don't talk about this much, but Paul encounters Jesus and suddenly can't see physically. He's lived his whole life with sight, and suddenly he can't see. And I would guess, if I were Paul, I would have said, how long is this going to last? Am I going to be blind forever? Am I never going to see again? Am I never going to be able to see anything ever again? And guys, that's where some of us are right now, not physically, but with decisions we're trying to make with circumstances we're trying to get on the other side of, right? We are feeling like I am going to be blind forever. This is life. I don't know what to do, and I don't ever see this changing. Verse 10, he says this. This is the question a lot of us are asking right now. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. What shall I do? What should I do? God, I've always known the right answers, Paul's saying. I've always known the right places to go and the right things to do. Suddenly, I don't know what to do. Some of us are are there as as well, just feeling blind. And it says this in the rest of verse 10, get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. You'll be told what to do, Paul. But I can only imagine if I were Paul, I'd be going, yeah, that's great and all, but what about now? And what about the fact that I'm blind? And what about the fact that I don't have all the answers here that I'm searching for right now? Well, Paul continues to tell the crowd his story. He says, you know what? God did something amazing for me. God brought someone to pray for me. And when that person prayed for me, my blindness went away. And I could see clearly. I was healed. And you know what? Paul's blindness didn't last forever. And if I could just say something to you today, your blindness won't last forever. It won't. I know sometimes it feels like it will. I know sometimes it feels like that's all you can focus on are the things you don't know, the things you don't understand, the uncertainty. But your blindness won't last forever forever. There are things about my future I don't know. There's also things about my past I don't get. You know? God, why this? Why did that have to happen that way? Why did you allow me to go through that circumstance or this circumstance? And you know what, guys? Our blindness won't last forever. God will show us why. And sometimes he shows us why right now in life, you know? But sometimes, at the very least, it'll be in heaven. You know, I think one of the top phrases excuse me, <clears throat> one of the top phrases we're going to hear uttered in heaven is, oh, <laughs> like, oh, now I get, now I understand, now I see why, now it makes sense, God, that you allowed that to happen. But Paul still doesn't have all the answers, right? Paul, Paul he keeps telling the story, I, I called on to Jesus to, to be saved, I was baptized, and then he told me to go preach. Well, that's great and all, but if I were Paul, I'd be going, I got to figure out how to pay for this. I got to figure out where I'm going to stay, where I'm going to go. I got to figure out how to preach. I don't know how to preach and go to school for preaching. I don't know what that even means. So I'm going to have to figure that one out. Oh, and what about eating? I don't know what I'm going to eat or provide for myself, you know. I don't know about you parents in the room. If I don't know by like 8:05 in the morning when I drop my kids off for school what we're going to be having for dinner that night. There's practically mutiny in my home. You know, like taking no prisoners here, you know. And so here is Paul with okay, great. God wants me to go do this, but I still have so many Questions. And so Paul continued to have these questions, but but we start to find our key. See if you're here today saying, Doug, what is the answer to my stress? What am I supposed to do with it? Here's here's a little hint. Here, here's what we see Paul do in this moment. We see Paul going, okay, there's a lot I don't know, but rather than focus on what I don't know, I'm gonna focus on what I do know. And what I do know is that I had a life-changing encounter with somebody named Jesus. And it changed everything for me. So I don't know where I'm going, how I'm gonna pay for it, what preaching is. I don't know that. But I do know that Jesus changed my life and he wants to change others' lives. That's what I do know right now. There's a little hint about what we start to do with our stress. Hmm, okay, here's what, here's what I don't know. But, but here are the things I do know. Here are the things about God That I do. No, we're going to see this continue to unfold as as it goes here. Look what it says as Paul continues to tell a story. It says, "Then they raised their voices and shouted." So the mob is absolutely freaking out that he would talk about Jesus and. And all these things. Rid, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air. I don't quite get that one, honestly. Like, I've never had a conversation with somebody and I was real, man, I was like, I'm going to fling some dust at you. You know, I don't know what was going on there. But verse 24, the commander ordered that Paul, I'm glad you guys laughed. 930 didn't like that one. The, the commander ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. How is Paul keeping it together? Verse 25, as they stretched him out to flog him. Can you just put yourself there? Don't just read it. I mean, imagine it's you. You're being stretched out. They're ready to beat the tar out of you. Paul said to the centurion standing there, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? And so this whole line of reasoning stops the flogging. They go, oh my gosh, Paul's not only Jewish, but he's a Roman citizen. And so this all leads to him meeting with the chiefs chief priests in the Sanhedrin, which was basically like the Supreme Court. It was like our Supreme Court. Paul is now standing in front of the Supreme Court. Have you ever had a situation where you were really nervous or stressed about going in front of someone, you know, meeting someone, job interview, college application interview, um, you know, meeting the girlfriend's parents, you know, I remember when Kelly and I were dating when we were about 21 years old, we had gone to school together, so I kind of knew her family, but it was kind of like this one big night, it was like, oh, we're going to invite the whole, like, family over and re-meet Doug, and so, like, it was like all this pressure, this was the infamous night when Pastor Ravone, who used to be a butcher, sharpened his butcher's knives in front of me to show me what it would really be to follow, Jesus and David's daughter, I guess, and so there I was, and um, I just remember they were all sitting in the den, which I think is a place you keep lions. Anyway, just to throw that out there, right, and so I'm just thinking about going into the lion's den here, and I'm like freaking out a little bit, and I was so nervous. I remember walking in, and there's this big entryway into the den, and I missed it. I, I missed the entryway and walked half into the wall, right, so this side of me lined up perfectly like a normal human being to walk through a wall. This side of me Walked into the wall, right? And I have a problem running into houses and things, I guess, don't I? That's the theme of today, right? But I just remember walking in and my brother in law going, uh, What's up, Doug? I'm like, Nice, walking into walls. You know, like, like, you know those embarrassing moments, you know those stressful situations where you have to stand before someone that you're not necessarily feeling comfortable with. And here is Paul basically before the Supreme Court. I mean, we just saw this incredible interrogations in front of the Supreme Court. I don't care if Republican, Democrat, everybody was involved and everybody was getting interrogated and everybody's, you know, saying their side or whatever. Like, we just saw all that play out. Can you imagine Paul there? Like, Paul sitting on that seat, right? And I don't know about you, I'd be a mess on my own strength. But it goes on. Verse 6 of 20, chapter 23, it says, Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin. My brothers, I'm a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. Now, what Paul just did here is he threw a bomb into the room, basically. Because... The Pharisees believed in the resurrection, but the Sadducees didn't. So now they start arguing about whether there is or isn't a resurrection. In verse 10 it says, The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the following night, the following night, you ready for this? The Lord stood near Paul and said, maybe some of you need to hear this today, Maybe this is God's word to you today. Take courage. Just two words. Take courage. I'm standing with you. Take courage. And then he tells Paul, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. The Lord stood near Paul. Paul still had stressful situations in his life. He still had uncertainty. He still had questions. He still had trouble. But the Lord stood near Paul. Paul. And here, Paul is okay. Why? Because again, we see something. We see Paul not focused on what he does not know about his future, but focused on what he does know. And what he does know is the Lord stands with him. Can I tell you the truth today? The Lord stands with you. He does, no matter what you're going through. I know he may feel far sometimes, but the Lord stands with you. You don't have to stress out because he's with you. Verse 12, the next morning some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath to not, uh, I'm sorry, not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot, but God protected Paul and the plot failed. And Paul was transferred to be seen by a governor, Felix, and this took things up a notch. Um, To this point, everybody Paul had testified to was Jewish. So it was a smaller government, but now Felix, man, he's dealing with Rome now. He was a Roman governor, so this is taking things up a notch. And it says in verse 35, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Felix says to him, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. So Paul is now waiting for his accusers to show up. Can I ask you a question? Anybody in here stressed about a relationship today? Anybody here stressed about what somebody's been saying or somebody's been doing and there's this animosity and you're really just stressed about it? Paul gets it, man. He's sitting there waiting for his accusers, who, by the way, were making up false accusations about him, to come and to basically rip him apart. Five days go by. Five days Paul has to wait for his accusers to come and bring these lies to him. And sometimes, guys, the waiting for us is so hard and we feel like that waiting for the finances to come through, the waiting for the application to get returned to us. And we find out the results, the waiting for the the doctor's results to come back. Man, it feels like it's just going to completely take our life. Paul has a choice here. Is he going to focus on what he doesn't know about life or what he does know about God? And that's the choice you and I have every single time as well. It says here in verse 23, He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Ready for this? He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about all of his troubles. That's not what it says. As he spoke about all the things that were stressing him out. That's not what it says. And there's nothing wrong with talking about the things that stress us out sometimes. There's nothing wrong with calling a friend, texting a friend, saying, hey, pray for me, this is what's going on. But isn't it amazing that, again, we find Paul wasn't focused on what he didn't know. He was focused on his faith in Christ Jesus. So here is Paul saying, hey, I may be chained to this guy. Life may be really hard right now, but I know Jesus is alive. And so I'm going to share what I know about this relationship that I have with him. So Felix sends Paul away. And look at what it says. When two years had passed, some of us have been waiting some of us are stressed because we've been waiting so long. It feels like this is going to last forever. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. So after two years, Paul's thinking maybe this change of leadership, I'll be released. He's left in prison again. Have you ever felt in by your circumstances? You ever felt like you're a slave to it? You ever felt like you're stuck in it? eventually, Paul goes and sees King Agrippa. And maybe he's finally given up hope by now. Maybe finally, when he gets in front of King Agrippa, he's just gonna list all the things that, that have gone wrong and all the ways he's, he's felt left down. Look what it says in Acts twenty six twenty two. But God has helped me to this very day same old Paul, man, but God has helped me. Are you kidding me? You've been beaten. They tried to kill you. You've been arrested. You've been in prison. You've been waiting, but God has helped you. God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here to testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer, talking about Jesus, that Jesus would suffer, and Rise. I'm sorry. uh, Where is it? As the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. So here is Paul, still focused on Jesus. Here he is, still saying, "I'm not going to focus on what I don't know. I'm going to focus on what I do know. Jesus is alive. He's back from the dead. He's with me, and he has helped me." Paul's then sent to Rome to stand before Caesar. And on, on the boat, some of you guys know the story, right? A terrible storm hits. It's like, can't this guy catch a break, right? Everybody fears the worst. Now, I'm not going to talk much about the storm aspect of this story because we're going to look at something next week. But I don't know about you. If I'm on a boat now after all Paul's been through, and a storm hits and it looks like we're all going to die, how do you keep hope? How do you stay at peace? How do you not lose it finally, right? Do you know what Paul's doing. It's encouraging everyone on the ship. look like what it says in Acts 27, But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Wait a minute, Paul. You're the slave on this ship. You're the prisoner. Everybody else is free, man. When this ship hits the port, everyone's going home but you. But I encourage you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. And then Paul says this, last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I served stood beside me and said do not be afraid Paul you must stand trial before Caesar again Paul is not focused on a ship being torn apart he's focused on what he knows about God he stood with me he sent an angel to stand beside me i'm going to be okay So they were all shipwrecked. They all make it to shore. And look what it says in verse 1 of Acts 28. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, are you kidding me? Give me a break already. Driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. He gets attacked by a snake out of a fire that he's making innocently on a beach. Verse 4, when the islanders saw the snake from hanging from his hand, I, that makes my knees weak, by the way, people. I can't handle such imagery. They said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. That's God's grace and power at work in Paul's life. They stay there three months. God uses Paul in some pretty incredible ways. And they finally head off the road. And look what it says in verse 16. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Well, thanks for not throwing me in prison, but I'm not thrilled about the soldier that I'm attached to 24-7, right? Another reason maybe for Paul to be stressed out a little bit, sitting there watching Netflix with a chain to a soldier, right? I mean, that's his life right now. Some local Jewish leaders gather. And Paul addressed them. And obviously here, he complained about his shipwreck. He complained about the snake on his hand. He complained about all the ways he'd been mistreated. No, that's not what he did. Look at verse 23. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Even after Paul had gone through so much, do you see what he's still doing? He's saying, I refuse to focus on what I do not know. I refuse to focus on what I don't understand and what I don't get. And I refuse to focus. I'm not saying I'm going to ignore it because we see in other times Paul does talk about some of the pain he went through, but he's saying I'm not going to ignore my pain and then there'll be times I'll bring it up, but I'm not going to focus and meditate on it and allow it to have my head. Instead, I'm going to give this mind completely, not to what I don't know about life, but what I do know. And what I do know is Jesus is alive, and I do know he changed my life, and I do know he forgives sins, and I do know he stood with me, and I do know he's helped me, and I do know he sent his angel to stand by me. See, I hope today we're we're, we're latching on to this key because this is something we could take with us. This is portable. You could take this home. You can take this to work and school this week with you. It's this thought, but it's more than a thought. It's this sentence, but it's more than a sentence. It's an attitude. It's a heart. It's, it's a mindset. Here's what we have to do. Here's how we begin to overcome stress in our life. Here's what I want you to do replace what you don't know about life with what you do know about God. Every time. Replace what you don't know about life with what you do know about God. So I don't know all the answers. I don't know why my wife is still going, what she's going through. I don't know where our church is going next. I don't know and have all the answers to everybody's struggles and situations. But what I do know is God is with us. And I do know Jesus is alive. And I do know he loves you. And I do know Jesus got on a cross to die for you. So what's he going to hold back from you? I do know he's got our church in his hands. I do know he's going to lead us forward to all that he has. I do know he's going to provide the finances to get the next space. I do know all that. And so I may not have every little piece of the puzzle or I may not even have half the pieces yet. But there's so much I do know about God. And so I am not going to sit around all week and think about all that I don't know. Although I struggle with that, just like you do. But this is a new, a new heart a new transition, a new, a new frame of mind for you and I to say, okay, I don't know where I'm going to live or go to school. Maybe I'm still figuring out this whole middle school, high school thing, and friendship's hard. Some, some of us aren't. I don't know where I'm going to be studying or what I'm going to be studying in college. I don't know where I might live or what job to take. I don't know if I should leave or stay. I don't know if I should stay with this person, or God has somebody different for me. I don't, I don't know if my kids are going to be all right, or if I'm going to be all right, or if my grandkids are going to be all right, or I'm going to be okay in retirement. I don't know all that, but what I do know is I know God, and I know God stands by me, and I know he will not let me down. And so this is a habit we form. I'm telling you, over the last month, knowing I have this message sitting there, this is this something that I've been trying to more and more implement in my life, because it's been a hard month. And I've just been trying, just like I hope you will, to catch myself thinking about what I don't know. And in those moments, stopping that train of thought and replacing it with what I do know about God. And you know what? I think some of us can come back to just those simple truths we've known for so long, even many of us in the room, we've been following Jesus for a while. And there's some of you, you're brand new to this. And you can latch on to some of those those few things you know already about God and about Jesus. And so we catch ourselves stressing about what we don't know about, and we start to find peace in thinking about and celebrating and praying and worshiping God over the truths that we know to be true. And so maybe you can't see right now. It's a good thing God opens blind eyes. Maybe you feel like a prisoner to your circumstance. It's a good thing that God sets prisoners free. Maybe you feel like your situation can tear you apart. It's a good thing our God holds us together. Maybe God feels far. He stands with you. The Lord stands with you. Maybe waiting feels like it's going to kill you. Thank God that he will be right on time. Maybe you feel like you're drowning. Thank God he walks on water. So what are you struggling with today? what stress, what thing, what uncertainty. I'm not saying that stuff's not real. I'm not saying that stuff's not important. I'm just saying it can't be what we focus on. We have something so much better to focus on, what God has done for us and who he is, and that he's with us. So if you, about, I guess about a month ago, a month and a half, we're doing our baptism service, and I'm, I'm in the tank right down there, and I'm baptizing at our, our night service, a guy named Brandon Miller. And, I had been working on this message that week, and as I'm watching his video, I hadn't seen him yet. Andrew put all the videos together, did an awesome job, but I hadn't seen it yet, so I'm standing in the tank watching the video for the first time, and Brandon goes, you know, I've really struggled with, and he gave me permission to share this again, I've struggled with anxiety, and I've struggled with, you know, just fear, and uncertainty, and stress, and he goes, you know what I've really learned, though, is you you shouldn't focus on what you don't know, you gotta focus on on what you do know. I was like, that kid just stole my message. (laughs) For like in the next month. This is ridiculous. But he was absolutely right. And you know what? I've seen it work in his life. I've seen it work in my life. And this has been a season where I've felt a lot of weight and a lot of pressure. It's been a season where honestly, sleep hasn't come incredibly easy to me. Uh, waking up a lot, just big thoughts on my mind, big, big weights on my heart, you know? And I'm telling you, as I've more and more try just to get into the habit of saying, no, I'm going to replace what I don't know with what I do. know. I'm going to stop that thought. The scripture tells us to take every thought captive. Take every thought like a prisoner, you know. Any thought that doesn't belong running around in here, by God's grace, we have the ability to stop it right where it is and replace it with something better. Replace it with the truth. And so will you begin this week to do that? Will you begin to catch yourself? That's the first step. You got to realize you're doing it. For me, it's when I'm sort of just like by myself and there's not a lot of you know, mind power necessary. I'm mowing the lawn or I'm driving or I'm just laying in bed and suddenly it's like all those those weights come back and I just have to stop myself. No, 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 no. I'm not going there. What do I know about God? What do I know about the truth? What do I know about who he is? What do I know about how he's with me? What do I know about how he can use this for good? So I don't know what's going on with my wife, but I know Jesus the healer. And I don't know what's going on with our church, but I know God who has set all this plan in motion before the creation of the world. And the same is true for you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, will you catch yourself this week and will you say, I'm gonna replace what I don't know about life with what I do know about God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you heard me talk earlier about how practical this is. This is what I hope you saw today. God's word's so practical. He wants you to understand his ways are good He's not here trying to dampen your fun or ruin your life by telling you, hey, this works and that works and do things my way. He's got peace for you. He offers peace. And the greatest peace you can find is what I talked about earlier, this Jesus, this Savior who got on a cross for you, who died in your place and rose back from the dead to rescue us. And if you want to put your trust in him today, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. But I hope you're encouraged today. And I hope you're challenged today. And I hope you know what to do today because stress doesn't have to own us. And we're gonna talk more about that next week. But don't let those uncertainties rob your certainty. Replace what you don't know about life with what you do know about God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that you have given us the ability and the opportunity to come close to you in our moments of stress. And I thank you that we have each other. I know sometimes in my moments of stress, I reach out to some of the people here in the room and they point me back to the truth about you and they pray for me, and they encourage me with your word, and I thank you for that. But God, we just pray right now for those stresses in our lives, those uncertainties, those troubles, those unanswered questions, those fears. And God, we ask you to be with us and help us. And here's what I want you to do today. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to begin to practice what we've been talking about here. Right now, I want you to, just to God, just silently, just name your stress and replace it with the truth. So maybe I don't know what's going on with my marriage, but I know the God that heals marriages. Maybe I don't know what's going on if I'm gonna have the provision for retirement in the time I'll need it, but I know God, the provider. Maybe I don't know if my child or my grandchild is on the right path, but I know the God who runs after the prodigals. So just, men, replace what you don't know about life with what you do know about God. And if you're not a father of Jesus and you wanna put your trust in him today, I would encourage you to pray with me right now. I'd encourage you to begin a conversation with him. Maybe you could just say something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you so much for dying in my place. Thank you so much for rescuing me from my sin. God, show me who you are. Show me what it means to follow you. Make a huge difference in my life. God, be my peace. Help me to learn how to replace what I don't know about life with what I I do now know about. Before we open our eyes today, i just, I love to pray for anybody that put their trust in Jesus. And so with nobody else looking around, if you put your trust in Jesus for the first time, take it, just look up at me. Just give me a second to kind of track if the room's a little dark. Awesome, anybody else? That's so cool, anybody else? Awesome, awesome, cool, that's great. God, we thank you for those that put their trust in you today. Oh God, keep them close to you. Show them how awesome you are. Thank you for all that you've done in your name.